Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. Monday edition of the program. Glad to have you with us. Complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Uh, Not a busy weekend of sports, but I tell you what, a lot of rumors continue if you follow things on uh, the various outlets and social media about conference realignment and super conferences and a lot of predictions about who's going where and who is interested in going where. And I think that uh, this summer is going to be marked by uh, more conference movement. I don't know that we'll get any right away, but it sure seems like a lot of the discussion in the offseason as we pass time until the start of college football, and of course, I know IU fans can't wait for the start of college basketball, I think we'll center around conference movement. Who's going to go where? What could the Big Ten look like? And will we truly get to two super conferences, or will the Big 12 and Pac-12 have some sort of merger? That's kind of been something that I saw reported on a little bit over the weekend. So uh, maybe there'll be three super conferences, but no question about it, the Big Ten and SEC are by far and away uh, the leaders in this movement to whatever the future of college sports looks like. And so it's been a really interesting time. And again, here in the offseason, kind of welcome news. I know some of it's changing. I was talking with somebody yesterday. They said, I just don't understand uh, UCLA and USC and the Big Ten Conference. And I agree with that, but also I don't didn't understand the East Coast, the, the Rutgers and the Maryland additions years ago, but that vision uh, to become a super conference and to become really a, a conference where geography doesn't matter it has been in play for some time. The USC and UCLA additions coming up in 2024 just the next step uh, in that movement. So uh, that's been interesting to follow. I've heard from a lot of you. I think you've enjoyed the discussion on that, and we'll continue to keep a watchful eye on what the future of the Super Big Ten Conference uh, could look like. But uh, plenty to get to, though, coming out of the weekend, and we'll do all that here in our hour together today. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one, here in just a few moments, we have our headlines. It's how we begin the show most days, and here on this Monday, a lot of recruiting news to get to, as you would expect coming out of the weekend. Some new scholarship offers by IU to some prospects out there. Also, some official visits have been set uh, by some guys that Mike Woodson and the IU coaches watched very carefully over the weekend, so we'll talk about that. Uh, and, uh, and Kyle Schwarber to the All-Star Game, former IU baseball great, we'll mention that. And a couple local notes coming up here in just a few moments. Also, uh, later in the hour, it's Monday, so Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join uh, with Zach. We'll catch up on everything that happened over the weekend from a recruiting standpoint and uh, continue to talk about IU basketball here in the offseason. Also, Zach has had a really, really good uh, insight and view 
on some of the recent moves with schools in the Big Ten. And so we'll probably get into that uh, at some point in our conversation today. Later in the hour, it's Monday. We've missed him a few times because of vacations and holidays and different things that have fallen on Mondays. But Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, former basketball coach at Jeff, the girls and the boys, and IHSA Executive Board member, representing Southern Indiana. He'll be with us as we talk through some of the local headlines, and there's lots to get to, uh, even here in the off-season of high school and basically local sports as well. But that's coming up here later in the hour. That's the lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. I want to remind you, the Thornton's text line is open every day from the time we come on to the time the show goes off the air. If you've got a topic, a question, a statement, something on IU, something on local sports, recruiting would be uh, opportune this time of year, whatever it may be. You can send me a message. You can send me a text, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That is how you can communicate with me during this show. So love to hear from you. Again, the off-season a great time uh, for you to get involved in the discussion. Some of you do that on a regular basis. Some I hear from occasionally, and there's a lot more of you that I'd love to hear from. So shoot me a text today at 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. And at Thornton's, uh, right now going on, it's the Thornton's Summer Cash Bag, the Cash Bash. Uh, each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member will win $10,000 all summer with a grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. All you got to do is open your Refreshing Rewards app on your phone and click on the summer cash bash icon to enter and that's not all you can earn additional entries if you purchase select top brands like Mountain Dew 20 ounce bottles, hot dogs, Bud Light 12 packs, large Doritos and many more items using your Refreshing Rewards card. It's Thornton Summer Cash Bash. If you're not a Refreshing Rewards member, that's no problem. All you got to do is text the word rewards. That's rewards to the number 80313. Again, 80313 today to get enrolled in the uh, Thornton's Summer Cash Bash program using the Refreshing Rewards app. And again, hit the Thornton's text line. That's most important of all, 502-414-1450. Let's get into some headlines on this Monday before we get to our guest coming up a little bit later. First off, Jamie Kaiser, four-star 2023 wing uh, forward. He's uh, out of Virginia. IU has been on him. He's had some favorable things to say about the Hoosiers. Coach Woodson and the staff watched him over the weekend uh, down in South Carolina at the Adidas event. And already uh, after that event concluded, or he, he said near the end of the event, he told Jeff Rabjohns and other IU guys, uh, he's going to take an official visit to Indiana, and he's already got the date set, July 26th through 27th, so later this month. He's got a full month of basketball ahead of him. He's going to be out in California playing in an Adidas event later this month, and it sounds like right as that concludes, he's going to take an unofficial visit while he's on the West Coast at UCLA, and then he'll come to Bloomington after that for his official visit. Also, T.J. Power is another uh, 2023 player. He's plays for the Boston uh, entry in the Nike EYBL. 
He had some great performances over the weekend in Kansas City at the EYBL event there. Mike Woodson saw his opening game of the EYBL play over the weekend starting late last week, and he had a monster game uh, right in front of Coach Woodson with him front and center. He also is uh, planning a visit, no specific dates that I've seen yet, but planning an official visit uh, to Indiana coming up a little bit later this summer. He said he would hit Indiana, Wake Forest, and he might go back to Iowa. He's already been there, I think, for an unofficial visit. So you maybe could mark Iowa down of the Big Ten Conference as the chief competitor or one of the big competitors for T.J. Power uh, out of the Boston area if he's going to ultimately come to Indiana. Also, a couple new scholarship offers. We told you the list of 2023 was sizable for Indiana, the guys they're tracking, but don't be surprised if there are a couple new offers that come out uh, of this first viewing period. And one of them did come out. That's 2023 guard Deshaun Harris Smith. Deshaun Harris Smith is his name. He plays uh, in the EYBL circuit and uh, has received a scholarship offer from um, IU at the conclusion or near the conclusion of that weekend. They, I'm sure, communicated with him via text message. He attends St. Paul uh, High School in the Washington, D.C. area. He plays in the big Washington, D.C. Catholic League and uh, a really good player to note and to watch. He's got a ton of Division I interest, uh, lots of Big Ten interest as well. Penn State, uh, Maryland, uh, other Big Ten schools involved with him, Rutgers as well, and uh, Kenya Hunter has been leading the recruitment of Deshaun Harris uh, Smith thus far as Indiana getting involved with a scholarship offer. And then a couple new names, uh, another new name I should say, uh, 2025 point guard Michael Brown is a new name you can add to the list that received a scholarship offer from IU. Uh, he's got a lot of offers, Seton Hall, Maryland, Florida, Texas A&M, Auburn, and Baylor. He's not ranked right now. Looked him up in the 2025 national rankings. Those rankings aren't near as in-depth as some of the older classes, but he's from Florida, played his high school ball at uh, Christian Prep in Orlando, Florida, and uh, will go to Sunrise Christian Academy next year, which is part of that big elite national conference of uh, high school basketball programs that travel and really, for the most part, don't belong to a state association. So he's got some big competition coming up the next few years in high school basketball. But Michael Brown, definitely a name to watch in 2025. That is for sure. Jalen Harrelson of Fishers, he continues to get a lot of offers. Both he and Trent Sisley received offers from Iowa over the weekend to add to their growing list of Big Ten and high major schools that are interested as well. So a lot of recruiting news coming out of the weekend, and those are just a few of the notes uh, from an IU perspective to pass along. Also, Tom Allen, not a lot of discussion about Coach Allen and IU football. I've said it as nicely as I can. Uh, as you look at Big Ten projections for the upcoming year, the Hoosiers aren't one of the more exciting teams as far as what they are projected to do in the always tough Big Ten Conference, but Coach Allen was out over the weekend. He was the keynote speaker at the Indiana Football Coaches Association uh, gathering, so that's basically within reason every high school football coach uh, in our state, and uh, Indiana has recruited and really continued to recruit 
the state of Indiana fairly well, even without having the big year last year. Maybe some disappointments here recently after IU football was at an all-time high. Uh, Coach Allen still hitting those circuits out there, trying to keep uh, his hand very involved in recruiting uh, in the state of Indiana. Also, just a few other tidbits to share. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies' Kyle Schwarber, former IU baseball great, he has been named to the National League All-Star team. No surprise there. He's had a huge month and a half, uh, a couple home runs, uh, in, in two in one game at one point last week, and a big month and a half of really hitting the ball well, especially out of the park. And second straight year that Schwarber has been voted on to the National League All-Star team. So uh, interesting to watch that. And locally, Little League Baseball, a lot of the locals will gear up soon. The 10-year-old New Albany team will play down in Jasper at the state tournament coming up soon. The 11-year-old Jeff GRC winner out of District 5. They'll be up in Dyer, Indiana this week at the state tournament. Uh, More on that coming later in the week. Also, the 12-year-old Jeffersonville GRC team, they will start later in the summer, July 22nd, up at Newcastle. And we're going to bring you a lot of those games for sure here on the Big X uh, as they look to win that main division of Little League Baseball and try to move on to the Great Lakes Regional. And if you could muster a win there, you go on to the Little League uh, World Series in Williamsport. So that's kind of the, the focal point of the summer from a Little League Baseball standpoint. But we've already got one state champion locally in Little League baseball in the intermediate division, uh, which is a little older than that 12-year-old group, Highlander Youth Recreation. Uh, their intermediate 50-70 all-star team uh, won a state championship over the weekend. The fifth straight state championship in that intermediate division, which is still a somewhat newer division of Little League Baseball, uh, that HYR has won. That is amazing. They've really focused on that division, and boy, they've had a lot of success and helped just increase the reputation that District 5 uh, in the state has as being a really good Little League Baseball and softball area uh, where the leagues still matter, still get pretty good uh, participation from the communities they served and have really good efforts when it comes to the All-Star teams as well. But HYR winning the state championship in that 50-70 intermediate division. So congratulations to those guys. Preston Dedat was the winning pitcher in the game, uh, the state championship game. It was a 16-0 dominating performance by Highlander Youth Recreation over Wheeler Little League from Northern Indiana. So we've already got one Little League champion, I'd say, between baseball and softball. We've got a chance to have a few more this summer. And as always, good luck to the local clubs out there. A lot of fun to watch these guys. Guys, uh, and kind of get a feel for the future of what uh, high school baseball and you know, softball both have been really good in this area for a number of years now. Kind of get an idea of what the future looks like. That's our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. That number 502-414-1450. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joins in segment two today. We'll talk IU basketball and more. Also, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown Athletic Director, former basketball coach. We'll talk with Chad about some hoops and some local sports coming up a little bit later in the program. Stay with us. You're listening to a Monday edition of the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. 
Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, my guest. He's always with us on Mondays. I always say to help kickstart the week when it comes to IU basketball discussion here on the program. And, Zach, I want to get to IU and get to the recruiting period, the first of a handful of them that just closed yesterday. It'll reopen again later in the week. But first, you've done a great job staying on top of the conference realignment and the path, it it appears, to super conferences coming. Uh, So we haven't had you on since it it was announced UCLA and USC are coming into the Big Ten here a few years down the line. And there's been a lot of other rumors and discussion about what the future of conferences look like and really what the future of college sports with or without the NCAA in that top tier, those major conferences, those super conferences could look like. So I'd like to start with that today. Your reaction to the Big Ten heading to be really a national conference now where geography doesn't matter from New Jersey to California, the Big Ten is in play. It is. I mean, it still feels like a bit of a system shock um, in in a lot of ways. It, I think we all sort of, by we all, I mean anybody who was, you know, kind of still watching this because it was one of those things that, you know, definitely kind of everybody put the uh, put their arms down after about 2012 and then it picked up last summer and then, it, you know, it kind of calmed down again. Um, but I think the, you know, Anytime somebody, anytime somebody kind of brought it up again and said, "Well, what do you think is next to the Big Ten? It was always either go south or go west. And I think for a variety of reasons, going west made a lot more sense um, and and was a lot more sensible. Having said that, you know, it, it's still very surprising. It's still, like I said, a, a a real system shock. Frankly, when you think about the fact that. You know the 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 Big Ten and the what we used to call the Pac Ten really kind of, frankly, sort of jointly built modern college football. I mean, I know the SEC plus kind of you know either Florida State or Clemson <clears throat> has kind of come to dominate the um, has has kind of come to dominate the the landscape in the last 25, 30 years. But if you, if you're going back sort of post world war two, making college football into what it has become, it was the big 10 and the Pac 10 with Notre Dame kind of riding sidecar. Um, and to see one of those conferences, you know, effectively cut the legs out from under the other one. I mean, that it's, it, it is a reminder that kind of this is this whole period we're going through in college athletics is, is going to look is going to end. I suspect with college athletics looking unlike anything else, you know, anything we've seen in it previously before. A lot of it is obviously driven by television money. You know, I, 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 we can have a, a variety of sort of offshoot conversations about where it goes, where it stops. Um, you know, one of the, the immediate features of realignment is that it gets everybody's crystal balls going pretty fast in terms of trying to figure out what's next. Um, but I think even still just thinking about this, you know, stopping to think about what we've seen, it's, it's still <laughs> pretty remarkable. Um, and, and it's probably not great to be honest with you. And, and that's not to pass a value judgment, but 
uh, more just to sort of say, I'm not sure that this is this is good for these sports long term. Zach, do you have any insight on what could be next? You mentioned crystal balls, and there sure have been so many projections, and here's what it could look like. Um, is the Big Ten, I read some stuff over the weekend that, again, who knows who really knows what, but it made me feel like the, the Big Ten added the two big dogs out west that they wanted in UCLA and USC, and they may now take their time to figure out who else they would add into this super conference. Obviously, it seems Notre Dame has an invitation to go wherever they want to go, and I think everybody understands that. We don't know how soon Notre Dame will make a decision, if, when they will. But uh, do you have the feeling that it's going to be a slow pace uh, for the Big Ten, maybe outside of whenever Notre Dame is ready to decide their conference future? I think the, the key there is, is for the Big Ten because obviously, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not as well versed or well sourced in, within the SEC. Um, the ACC would be kind of the obvious spot to go after if you were uh, the SEC, but the ACC currently has this grant of rights, which is basically the schools granting. Uh, their rights to the, um, the 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 television packages they're a part of the ACC network their their deal with ESPN the grand rights run through 2036 and is supposedly pretty complex to get out of um, could be costly and so I, I don't think that's something where anybody could sort of just snap their fingers and you know haul Clemson Florida State you know, I don't know, Georgia Tech and somebody else out and put them in the ACC or in the SEC. Um, I think from the Big Ten's perspective, I would say a couple of things. Number one, you're right to, to bring up Notre Dame. Notre Dame is, is the clear sort of, I think after Texas and Oklahoma were taken off the board, so to speak, last summer, I think you were really left with kind of two or three big brands with big television shares and, you know, sort of big national following that, that could move the needle for either of the two big conferences. Because let's be clear, it's, it's the Big Ten and the SEC now and then everybody else. Um, those three were Notre Dame, UCLA, and USC. U- UCLA being kind of clear third, but because UCLA still brought Los Angeles, and particularly if you paired UCLA with USC and just completely closed off Los Angeles to the Pac-12, then, you know, it... it, it, it the the brand strength was there much more so I suspect than maybe people realize like an Oregon or a Washington certainly schools like Stanford and Cal and you know even your Virginias and your UNCs um, to my mind what would benefit what would be most practical for the Big Ten at this point is to figure out where Notre Dame is, I think you, I think you, you said it there. It's sort of just kind of an open invitation, and I think uh, I think that's probably fair. And I think that there would be a, you know some some wrangling that would have to go on there. You can find opinions in both directions on whether or not it's time for the Notre Dame to give up its independence, etc. Um, but I think that I think that what to me would make the most sense for the Big Ten is figure out where Notre Dame's at then get in a room with the SEC and, and hash out the next stage of playoff expansion. Then figure out, given whatever you know about, you know, sort of the, the, the long-term future of the playoff, both in terms of its structure and also in terms of its reach, because we've heard people like Gene Smith, the AD at Ohio State, maybe the, maybe the single most influential athletic director in the country, say that maybe we should pull 
football out from under the NCAA entirely and put it under the auspices of the um, the uh, the college football playoff. Once you have more clarity, if you're the Big Ten, on, on what the future of the playoff is, that's when I think you start to explore again the idea of do you want more travel partners out west um, for USC and UCLA? Would you try to go south? Would you just want to fortify some schools in you know the sort of mid-Atlantic northeast corridor? I don't know. Or is is sixteen good enough for now? Is sixteen is sixteen essentially enough? You know, is sixteen a, a number that you can look at to as a nice round number? And we're just gonna we're just gonna leave that where it is because the other part of this too is the Big Ten is currently renegotiating, as I know you and I have talked about. It's Big Ten media or it's it's media rights deals, so it's television deals. Um, uh, it was reported reliably out on the West Coast that USC and UCLA both believe that their share of a new Big Ten media rights deal could eclipse a hundred million dollars annually. And so if you do the you do the math, that's you know, that's one and a half billion dollars annually total the Big Ten is taking in or more. The Big Ten would be taking in from all of its television agreements and partnerships and, and obviously its in house network. Well you don't want to add a bunch of schools that probably don't bump that that number up much, you know, because you don't want to be looking around at member schools and saying, we added these two, we, we completely upended, you know, sort of the, the old order of things, and you were all going to get $100 million, but now we've added four more and you're only going to get $70. Um, I think the Big Ten probably also wants to get to the other side of those negoci- negotiations and figure out what it can rely on, what it, what it can, you know, feel like it knows. Um, I just, I, I, I'm... We always, you know, once realignment's a little bit like recruiting. Once a couple really big moves happen, we expect a whole bunch of sort of smaller moves to, to cascade around them. And there may still be some other ones. I know there's a, a lot of activity within the what remains of the Pac-12 and what we currently. And I think we have a loss. There's been. Uh, we've lost. Are you Zach? Are you there? Can you hear me? We lost. We got you back now. Okay. Uh, could there be some sort of merger between the Big 12 and the Pac-12? Could one, you know, could one sort of pick the bones out of the other, whatever it is? That will kind of keep going on in the background. But, again, without wanting to sound too arrogant or exceptionalist, the, the two big actors in the room now are the SEC and the Big Ten. And, you know, everything is going to kind of move as they move. And I, I suspect from the Big Ten's perspective, for the moment, maybe – Notre Dame aside, Notre Dame being its own case, for the moment, I think if you're the Big Ten, you know maybe it's, it's a little bit more wait and see than than it was obviously a couple of weeks ago. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, lots of good stuff there in Zach's response on uh, the Big Ten and, and conference realignment. Tons of things to that we could expand on. One thing I do want to bring up, and someone said, please ask Zach this today. IU football, uh, should IU football fans, should IU football, the program, be concerned that if football were to get pulled out from underneath the NCAA or super conferences become the top tier of uh, college sports championships, specifically basketball and football, that Indiana could be in some trouble there keeping a spot or because of the overall standing of of the university and how basketball is, is, is the big, is IU solid in the big 10, uh, from any sport, all sports perspectives. I mean, as of right now today, Indiana's fine. Like to be really clear, there's, there's no immediate threat at all. I know there were a couple tweets kind of making the rounds, suggesting maybe Indiana was 
the sort of school that might need to worry if, if suddenly somewhere down the line we start lopping schools off the bottom. Um, I know there are also people who firmly believe in the idea that we're headed for some sort of college football super league. I'm skeptical of the latter, um, and I'm, I'm also frankly sort of skeptical of the former for a few reasons. Number one, I think if the elite schools really wanted to break away, it would be a lot easier for them to just sort of leave as a group rather than trying to cut schools off the back end of the conferences. Number two, a school like Indiana, you know, I, I think I saw one, there was one tweet that, that got sent to me from three or four different places um, that, that lumped Indiana in with Vanderbilt and Northwestern. I think it's important to point out Indiana is not Vanderbilt or Northwestern. It is a large state school with a large alumni base that's active and engaged in major cities across the country. Um, it's also, and listen, football drives so much of this, but basketball, men's basketball specifically, not picking on women's basketball, but men's basketball specifically is the only other billion-dollar product in college athletics. And Indiana, you know, whatever conversation we want to have about is it still blue blood, is it this, where does it fit in the tier, the reality is Indiana is an incredibly powerful brand in basketball. And while basketball is not going to be as important in a lot of these conversations as football, people aren't just going to throw away that money. People aren't just going to leave that money on the table and say, no, no, we have enough. We're just going to walk away. And the last thing I would say, and, and I don't mean for this to sound flippant, but I, I wrote this a couple weeks ago because I was off last week, but I, I kind of left a couple things behind to be published while I was away. Um, you know, in the, in the same way that, like, the Yankees need the Orioles to lose 100 games every year so the Yankees can win 100 games every year, if there's some sort of college football super league that chops the bottom half off of the big conferences and, you know, puts, I don't know, 28 teams in a league unto themselves, is Michigan really going to be happy going 2-10 and 10 every year? Or, you know, is, is Oregon really going to sign up for that knowing it has absolutely no chance of ever winning that league, that it, it goes from maybe being able to position itself for the occasional playoff appearance to just being stuck mid-pack a la Nebraska in its move to the Big Ten? I, I doubt it. I think... There will always need to be a hierarchy. Now, I could see a world in the comparison I made. I'm getting a little long-winded. Forgive me. But the comparison I made is what, the, the, what soccer fans will know as the Champions League um, in, in European soccer, which is essentially sort of the sidecar competition that you qualify for via your, your uh, performance in your domestic league every year. So the Premier League, La Liga in Spain, the Bundesliga in Germany, etc. And it's, you know... In theory, anyone can qualify for the Champions League. In practice, it is really reserved for the elite with a handful of upstarts kind of every year, making some noise for a while. But ultimately, it's incredibly rare you see, you know, a team outside maybe the top eight or ten in the world in the Champions League final, you know, more than maybe once in a decade. I could see a world where we build something like that, where we still have a Big Ten, but then we also have kind of this, this sidecar competition that, you know, in theory, Indiana could have a great season and, and qualify for. In reality, it's going to be the same cast of actors just about every year. Your Ohio State's, your Alabama's, your, your Oklahoma's, et cetera. Um, but this is also the other thing I would say about this is, you know, we're – we always tend to kind of get out over our skis a little bit too with realignment that we start, we start prognosticating and forecasting and we start thinking, Oh my God, this could happen. And this could happen. We're talking at like, it's 
this stuff is like that line in Apollo 13 where Tom Hanks says, we're on step six, and you're talking about step 438. Like, this is stuff that would be, I think, 10, 15 years down the line minimum because you got you got to figure out what the landscape is. you got to go through existing TV deals. you got to expand the playoff, all these different things. Um, I don't think Indiana has anything to immediately be worried about, and I would be a little bit surprised Barring another major shift, and that's always possible, but I'd be a little bit surprised if, if Indiana has anything to worry about long-term either. All right, Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Great stuff on conferences and IU to begin our Monday program. I do want to catch a little bit of basketball. Uh, I really like the summer media opportunities we discussed. I discussed this some last week on the program, but uh, every week, basically, this offseason, we've heard from somebody, uh, be a coach, a staff member, uh, some incoming players, and I'm sure there's more to come here uh, the remainder of this offseason. It really helps keep IU basketball at the forefront. Clearly, there's a lot of excitement from your readers and our listeners about uh, what this IU team could maybe accomplish this upcoming season. Uh, but as I heard the players speak last week, we got to hear from C.J. Gunn and also Caleb Banks. I really, and I saw Dustin Dopirak, your partner with the Bloomington Herald Times and the Indy Star, uh, a headline on a story called Banks, maybe the wild card of this recruiting class and maybe of this team for the upcoming season. The more I hear from Banks and the more we read about his improvements and uh, perhaps how he could fit into the team, I think wildcard fits him really well as a descriptor. You know, I went down to see him last uh, December. Um, just, just I took a trip home because obviously he's from the Atlanta area to see him and see Ja'Kai Newton both. And there was something that his coach said to me, his high school coach, and I'm paraphrasing, but his high school coach has been in, at Fayette County High School for like 25 years. He's coached Division One players. I think he won a state title. So he obviously knows talent when he sees it. And what he essentially said, and again, I'm, I'm, these weren't his exact words, but what he essentially said was that basically the greatest obstacle to, to you know, that Caleb Banks can be, a really, really, really good player, and the, the greatest obstacle to that right now might just be getting Caleb Banks to understand how good he can be. And I think that that can happen a lot with young guys that, you know, you just don't, I mean, you don't have the perspective to understand my ceiling is here, and I can go here, and I can do this there. And especially a guy like Banks, who I think can be a genuine 3-4 hybrid, sort of, you know, a, a really good rebounder, but also a really good shooter, can handle the ball some. I think he has the potential to be if if he and you know he's he's further away from realizing this than maybe the average prospect, but I do think there's all Big Ten potential in there. I genuinely do, um, and I think that he's the sort of player that basically you just need him to realize how good he is. For, for, you know, for lack of a better term, you need Caleb Banks to realize um, how good he can be, how talented he is, um, because if if he can realize that and he can just kind of start to embrace basically the confidence that comes from that, there'll be growing pains like there are with every player. It'll take a while, I think, because if you're trying to polish, you know, that many different parts of a guy's game, and, and I want to be clear, like they're very different players on different career trajectories, but I think about Victor Oladipo, you could see all the potential his freshman year and then the first half of his sophomore year, and then when finally – Kind of all the rough edges started to smooth out at the same time. Suddenly he went up a level as a player. I think Banks is kind of that sort of player, too, where 
there's a lot that has to there's a lot that has to happen to realize his immense potential. But if you can get all that in there, and you can give him that confidence in the meantime to keep sort of driving on, I just I think he can be a, a really really good player. I think he absolutely could be the kind of player a la Juwan Moore. You know, I mean, recently I saw JD Campbell tweet a picture of the 2015 recruiting class that had Juwan Morgan, Thomas Bryant, and OG Ananobi in it. And obviously Bryant was the headliner of that class. But Morgan wound up having the best college career, and Ananobi wound up being the highest draft pick. I think Banks, we could look back on Banks as that kind of player, that maybe he wasn't a top 20, top 30 guy coming out of high school, but he wound up turning into one of the most impactful players, if not the most impactful player in his class overall. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Good stuff on IU today. Zach, thanks for the chat. Uh, this is the kind of conversation that could probably fill the entire show, but we'll have you back next Monday and continue then. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, good stuff from Zach, who's always with us Mondays here on the show. A couple text messages from the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450, I want to read. Uh, texter says, this is outside of your normal coverage area, but uh, there's a documentary releasing tomorrow about a South Central High School student. We have talked about this guy, Landis Sims. It's an amazing story, and uh, there's going to be a national documentary called Just Watch Me uh, that releases uh, later this week actually tomorrow with a national tour throughout the month. So if you haven't uh, seen any of the news stories or read about this documentary about Landis Sims, uh, a lot to get into, and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth this summer, but an amazing young man who has uh, battled some real issues, and uh, I don't know, I guess the best way to say it, he's come out on top. And so uh, really an amazing athlete as well for South Central, a little to our west in Harrison County. And so check that out. We'll, we'll mention a little bit more when I've got time to get into that later. Later this summer, but definitely a remarkable story. There's no question about that. And uh, Texter writes in, and I, I didn't get this in time to bring it up with Zach, but I do. I think this is a tremendous point about conference realignment, and I do want to read it. He said, I'll ask you the same question I asked John Spears the other day. Does Notre Dame want to play the likes of Ohio State, Michigan, Wisconsin, Michigan State, and others like them every week? Also, if they were to go to the SEC over the Big Ten, they would face Alabama, Mississippi State, Auburn, Georgia, and others. Is Notre Dame up to that challenge on a weekly basis? And that is a good point. I mean, Notre Dame has a good schedule. Obviously, uh, they've got the ability with their own TV contract to, to set up a lot of, I think, primetime big games and good time slots on national television. But the schedule would, would change even more if uh, they became a full-fledged member of a Big Ten or a SEC Super Conference. And so uh, I'm sure they have to think about that. Do they want to play the big dogs each and every week? Their schedule, I think it'd be safe to say, would improve. I don't can't say I'm an expert on who Notre Dame plays every week in college football, their independent-type schedule, but it definitely would step up, I think, considerably uh, week in and week out if you average things out. So definitely a good point. Thank you, Texter, for the text. We'll head to a commercial break. Back with our final segment of the day, Chad Gilbert, Charlestown AD, former coach in the area, local sports on deck. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. 
Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. We've missed him because of vacations and holidays and so much more, but the great Chad Gilbert joins the program now. Chad is the AD at Charlestown, former coach in the area. Uh, the Jeff Girls, a state championship there. A lot of success with the Jeffersonville boys as well, and he's IHSAA executive board member representing Southern Indiana. How is that, Mr. Gilbert, Coach Gilbert, for an introduction here in this uh, July 11th show? Matt, it feels good to get the credit where credit is due. <laughs> I miss talking to you, my friend. It's been, it's been a crazy couple of weeks here with holidays. Uh, went to NFHS convention where uh, the IHSA and the National Federation honored and recognized uh, Ray Crow. Ray was the uh, coach of Attics High School, Oscar Robinson, or the big O. He coached um, the state championship. Um, able to recognize him in the Hall of Fame. It was something pretty cool. You know, Thurman Thomas went in. Walter Payton went in. A lot of different athletes went in. Uh, something that's pretty cool, you know, several years ago we did the same thing in Indianapolis. Damon Bailey uh, got in. Uh, Larry Bird's been in. Uh, Tim Couch at played at Kentucky's been in. So a lot of a lot of cool things involved in that. You get to see a lot of different people, um, a, lot of different, a lot of different perspectives on the way different states – perceive different rules and the way different uh, states handle different things, you know, whether it's being a shot clock, whether it's being uh, summer off-season, whether it's being uh, quarters played, a lot of different ways to skin a cat. And, you know, we hope in Indiana the association does the best uh, job it can on putting our athletes in a position to be successful. Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, let's get into good stuff there uh, to start the segment. I want to get into some local stuff with you. Uh, the summer recruiting circuit is just amazing to me. Each and every day uh, here in the slow time for basketball, we tell you where Mike Woodson, where the assistant coaches are at, who they've offered, uh, who they're watching front and center. It is amazing to me that now you've got two periods in the month of June when you can watch, college coaches can watch high school teams, and the July madness continues with uh, the Peach Jam coming up, which is big-time basketball, and some of these different stops that coaches have been at and will be at in July. Just amazing to me to watch the process unfold and see how it all comes together and the attention uh, that these high school coaches, even with the transfer portal and even not knowing what's going to happen this season with certain players, uh, are out recruiting high school kids and putting in the time, money, effort to do so. Just an, in- I think, just an interesting process overall. Matt, what's interesting and amazing to me is I, feel, I think you and I, two pretty smart guys, try to play you know step or two ahead of the game. How didn't we get involved in this and make all this money these guys are making? <laughs> My gosh, Matt, it's sickening. It's sickening how much money these people are making. And it's sickening. Parents listening, it's sickening how much you're paying. If you're paying, you're wasting your money. Let's go ahead and just put it out there right now. If you're paying, you're wasting your money. Go out there, work on your skills, get in the yard, rebound, play two-on-twos, play three-on-threes, go to a skills and drills camp. You know, think of spots in your high school's team's offense. You know, you think about the percentage of kids that are going to play at the next level. You know, think about that. You know, don't, don't focus on playing at the next level. Focus on having fun. Focus on the success 
that you want to have with your high school team. Think, think of the success you want your kids to have, the memories, the friendships. Now, you can do that on these travel teams, but there's more to travel basketball than the coach making drinks and telling jokes in between <laughs> games. You know, Matt, and there's so much of that. You know, you go to the, the one in Atlanta this weekend, and I think that's just the Under Armour. I saw a thing. They said there were 38 Indiana teams down there. 38 Indiana teams. Amazing. I mean, I'm not sure. And well, I am sure you could probably get a high school team to go down there. Uh, Charlestown, we won 10 games last year. We could probably compete in one of those brackets. I think they have it watered down to the aluminum bracket where you could get in <laughs> and you could probably play in that and be successful and come back and hold your ring up and hold your medal up and do whatever. But ain't no coach watching you. Chad, two, mean, Chad, two things to add. One, and I don't, I can't speak on the Nike and the Adidas stuff because they they may not gouge the college coaches. I really don't know, or perhaps they do. I, I can't speak on that, but. Back some years ago when I was much more involved in in some of the summer tournaments with Eddie Ford and other people, uh, it was amazing to me what they sold their college coaches packet for, which was essentially a book that had rosters, schedules. Uh, It did have, if your coach took the time to do it, and it was amazing to me how many coaches would spend all this money traveling across the country to a tournament to almost be guaranteed to play in front of college coaches but wouldn't submit the contact information of the coaches and players so the college coaches could easily follow up with them if they were interested. But those booklets, and this is 10 years ago, might be 200 to $300 a book. So per coach that came in, basically their admission included a book and was two to $300 a coach. In some of these events, there were 200, 300 college coaches. When you look at head coaches, assistant coaches, all levels, NCAA Division One, down to NAIA and junior college. And so that in itself was a huge moneymaker. Uh, now, now I'm sure it's online and there's not even really a book produced. It's probably digital, which that's fine. But that's one point. The second point is, in Louisville this last week, the Run for the Roses Girls Tournament, which is now followed by another one that I think started yesterday called Battle in the Borough. You talk about money exchanging hands, entry, parking, the number of teams. I don't. I did have it in front of me. I don't now. It's it's an unbelievable amount of games that are going to take place in Louisville. Girls basketball games. A lot of college coaches will be there, but uh, it's just unbelievable the money that is spent and or made on some of these humongous summer tournaments when the college coaches are going to be there. That's kind of the drawing card, uh, but just amazing to me. really is. Well, you know, well, even on the events, the event organizers are paying some of these coaches money to bring in their top-level teams. Yeah. So that way, the coaches, the college coaches come and watch those top-level teams, whether they're – and understand this. If you're – they say, you know, all these guys watching Xavier Booker – they know Xavier Booker can go at Cathedral. They're not watching him. They're babysitting him, letting Xavier Booker know how much we want you. They're not trying to pick apart his game. They know his game. They're wanting to see how it is. And if you think you're a guy, you think, man, I hit 19 against him. You think they're saying, oh, who's number 14 on uh, Mama's Boys over there? Oh, that's Chad Gilbert. Oh. Well, let's go watch him again. Then Chad Gilbert scores six off the list. You know, it's not like they just watch one game and say, we need to sign this guy. They put in lots and lots of work the college coaches do. And let's not – we've talked about the questionable, the bad, or whatever else. Let's talk about the good, you know, because there there is some good involved with that. When you do have an opportunity to be seen, 
You have an opportunity to play your game. You have an opportunity to play your game at the highest level. In order to do that, well, you have to be on one of those circuit teams, whether it's the the Nike, the Under Armour, the Adidas, you know, and, and we all know that the different parts with it. And you may help me with this. And Grand Park is Under Armour, correct? Uh, Indiana Elite is Adidas, and the Indy Heat is Nike, correct? Right. And so, if you got to be involved in that, it's kind of interesting how it's all shaked down, how those guys kind of play within their circuit and kind of kind of do their thing on it. And that's an opportunity to one as a player, you get to measure yourself. To one, not only the best players in your state, but the best players throughout the nation. Two, you get to be seen on the highest stage. And three, you get to see, you know, what part of my game I, do I need to work on. So I think as a player, you can go out there and do not think you've arrived. Think about, hey, what do I need to work on to continue to get better? Because as we always talk about, Matt, you either get better or you get worse. You don't stay the same. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me. We've got to run. That's the end of our Monday program. The great stuff, though, the summer circuit to be the summer basketball circuit. Very intriguing. No show tomorrow. I am out, but we will be back with you Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. <laughs>